Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 182 of the More Than Just Code podcast. My name is Tim Mitchell and I am in Toronto, Ontario. I'm joined once again with Jaime Lopez Jr. down in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? And we have Mark Rubin way down there in San Jose, California. Hello. Yeah, so quick hitty we were talking about. Uh, so I have this app on my on my phone. I don't I don't know how I found out it or how, how I got it on my phone, but it's called Tweetstery, and it goes back in time and looks at this day, tweets that I may have done this day. And so this is a tweet that uh, of a screenshot that I did from the original RW DevCon in um, Washington, which is coming up. Um, that was the first RW. DevCon in 2015, and um, which is RW DevCon is coming back in April. Still, t- few tickets available if you're interested. But anyway, this is a tweet of a fr- I did from a talk um, by Sal Moro or Casa de Mora on um, on Twitter, as he's known. I believe he's working for Apple now. But um, he did a, a quick little demo for us on how to set up. I mean, he was supposed to be doing a talk on core core data, and he this uh, tweet that I uh, uh, made was from a screenshot of a demo that he did. For, at RWDevCon, on he sort of said to us, "Hey, you guys want to see how to set up uh, core data in a storyboard?" We kind of went, "Okay." And so he went into this riff about um, setting up core data by creating dragging objects into the out of the library and setting them up as you know the various parts of the core data. You have the core data data source and the da- and the delegate, and then you have the core data stack. And then he had a, a data data list, which was like a, an array of of uh, data. But I think one of these objects you couldn't do directly in in the storyboard. Board. And so the way he did it was he went into how did he do it? He did, went into the code and he switched the code from what it was as a core data object into uh, any object. If you remember back in the early days of Swift, you could switch thing. You could have an any object which, rep- which was like an I. Um, what do you call it in Objective C? Like an ID or an instance. Um, ID. You can still have an any object in, in Swift. Yeah. So, yeah. but what he did was so this was actually an, a core data object that you know the, you would get all this angry red you know warnings from from the compiler. 
controller, but he went into the code and he switched it around to an any. Then he was able to connect it in the storyboard, right? And once he'd made that connection, then he switched it back to what it was originally as an as a Cordy to object. And that was how he was able to set up a Cordy to stack inside of a iOS storyboard, right? Because Mark and I were talking about this earlier today on Slack. And, and of course, you can do this kind of stuff with data bindings in um, on a Mac OS app. Yeah, with Cocoa Bindings. Yeah. Cocoa Bindings, yeah. So this was just a way of, of uh, and it was sort of a trick. The trick was that what he did was when he flipped it back. We talked about this on the show, actually, I think a couple of years ago, too, But when I first did this tweet. But um, that was how he did it. The trick was he switched it from, he switched the object type and from, um, and I wonder if he did that in, yeah, no, it was in Swift, he did that, from the core data object, which was then a legal connection to an any, and then he made the connection, and once he had it connected up in the storyboard, he switched it back. And that was how he was able to set up core data using storyboards. So without using, you know, the typical um, code uh, version that we have normally in either a core data stack or inside of um, the app delegate where you see it if you build it with a template app, right? So it's kind of a cool um, cool, cool little magic trick. Yeah, yeah. my favorite uh, frameworks or technologies, I suppose, in iOS. Yeah, 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 for sure. Anyway, so that was uh, a little trick. Um, and I just thought it was an interesting post, so I reposted it again today. So uh, in our follow-up section here, I posted a link here to the Apple Holiday 2017 earnings report or um, blog post that J- uh, Jason Snell of SixColors.com did, um, where he laid out the um, some nice charts and graphs on the sales results from the first quarter of 2018, which is the, traditionally the Christmas season, because I think Apple's year-end is starts in November, I believe, right? Um, well, yeah, their, their, their Q4 ends in January, I think, just to tipple. So it includes the holiday season. Yeah. No, I mean, the first quarter, no, I think Apple's year-end is year-end or year, year starts you know, either in November 1st, I think. So January, so November, December, and January are, are part of the first quarter. Um, uh, you're right. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. That's Q1. That's not Q4. Yes. Yeah, I don't know if you had a chance to look at these uh, nice little charts he's got here, but, uh, and this was sort of the doom and gloom that we were talking about last week a bit about um, uh, different uh, sales or sales results. But an interesting chart here, you know, 70% of their revenue is still on the iPhone itself, right? You know, uh, the iPad and the iMac or the Mac itself, roughly at uh, 7 and 8%, sort of pretty even. And services is still 10% of their uh, their sales, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the iPad seems to have um, leveled off when I look at the quarterly iPad sales. So comparing Q4 2018 to Q4 2017. Mm-hmm. So 13.1, uh, I assume that's million. Yes, millions versus 13.2. So that's that's good. It's not like in steep decline as it had been year after year since, uh, was this 2014? Is that what I'm looking at? Yes. Um, but the other sort of interesting things were the average selling price, which I think I mentioned on the show a while back, that the average selling price for iPhone was going to be the most interesting. That right, because it's we, gone up a bit, right? If we saw it go up you know, significantly, then it implies that the iPhone 10 was doing well because of its base price of what, like $9.99, I think, US? And it did. Right. The average yeah. selling price jumped up by like $100, which is insane, uh, especially yeah. considering that the iPhone 10 came out relatively late in the quarter, right? It came out a month later than uh, you would normally see for a brand new iPhone. Well, not necessarily. It was the beginning of November, right? So Yeah, but the, I mean, that's stuff that they're not selling from... Well, okay. So it depends on, on, on where they recognize revenue and stuff, I guess. So so normally you would um, have an iPhone available, or sorry, available for pre-order, like second week of September, and then end of September, it's available like actually in hand delivered and then this one was what end of october i think it was roughly end of october available for pre-order and then iphone 10 was actually in people's hands in like first week november i think right so so which chart are you looking at the one that's iphone revenue for four, four quarter moving oh there's an average selling price apple product lines that's like two or three charts from the bottom that show 
shows what, what the max average selling price is, which is stayed pro- relatively stable, which is uh, good for them. iPad relatively stable with a little bit of a slight down curve, probably because they also have a, a cheaper iPad available. Right, but iPhone yeah, yeah. just jumps up by a hundred bucks. It's hard yeah, to tell from this graph. It's got a but big it's, hump it's in 2016, like, right? Sorry? About? It's got a big hump in 2016. The blue line, right? The, the line that's in blue? Right, right. So 2016, yeah. um, 2016. That was the, the iPhone 6. Remember we had a big hump bump there? Was it that year? Okay, I, I thought it was off by a, a so. year. Um, Set maybe yeah, seven. So the larger phones with the, the Plus model and the Plus model being like, I think it was $120 more expensive at that time. Yes, sort of makes sense. It was the... Seven, it would have been seven, I think, maybe. Yeah. But but you see how it starts to rise up after Q4 2015. That's around when the, the larger phones started to appear on the market, right? Yeah. So that's how we've sort of known uh, that the larger phones were contributing. Plus, right? The, in 2014 was the six. Wait, where's that iOS ref thing that we talked about last week? <laughs> no, no, think about it. Think about it. So last year, end of 2017, was the iPhone 10 and iPhone 8, right? Yeah. So 2016 yeah. would have been the iPhone 7. 2015 was the 6 Plus. I'm oh, sorry, 6S. The yeah. 2014 would have been the six and the six plus first large phones. So there was no right. there was no bump up. It's a it's relatively flat with a slight increase over that time frame, which is fine. The real interesting thing, I think, well, as at least as a shareholder, are the two bar charts on total app, Apple revenue and total Apple profit. If you look at total Apple revenue, the revenue for Q1 2018 was 88 billion dollars, which is 10 billion dollars higher than Q1 of 2017, which essentially means rounding off a little bit. Apple is making roughly uh let's see wait a minute, uh roughly three billion dollars more per month than they were a year ago, if I did my math right. Mm-hmm. That's pretty amazing. And and yeah, even the, the... even if you think, well, maybe some of Q4 got pushed in, no, because Q4 of 2017 was 52.6 billion, whereas Q4 of 2016 was 46 billion. So by by every metric, Apple's doing a whole lot better now than they were a year ago and two years ago and three years ago. This is this is good news. So yeah. Yeah, so I think this was a was a was a really good quarter. The only downside I saw was that the the forward guidance was a little bit lower than analysts expected. Uh, mm-hmm. But you know, when analysts' expectations are based on what analysts say, not what Apple's were said, so, so right. it's even hard, to, sort of hard to call that a real negative. Yeah, and the revenue line. So looking at a different chart, the services. So just about everything is up to the right from yeah. sort of where it was. Services has yeah. been almost an exactly a. a a straight line. Um, yeah, that one's interesting. It was from Q4 to, to Q1. I mean, they're still you know way better than previous quarters, but it's relatively flat at 8.5 billion. It even looks like it might be down a tiny little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's one of those ones that will continue to grow, but it's not going to be explosive growth because not everybody's going to sign up for Apple Music. Not everybody's going to get the larger iCloud yep. backup and so on and so forth. So I think as they keep trying to do things to add more value to those services, like doing TV and other things that are you know part of Apple Music and all these other bits uh, they start selling a home pod that essentially requires apple music to be yeah i was gonna say sort exactly. of reasonably useful um yeah. i can see those continuing to go up into the right but get kind of more of a linear rather than yeah uh, an iphone style huge jump sort of thing yeah even there's another chart on regional revenue that breaks out china and that as we know kind of peaked in 2016 but then started to decline for various reasons but it according to this chart at least it looks like it's starting to turn around it looks like it might have yeah, bottomed out 
about it around Q2, Q3 of 2017, and it's starting to pick up again, which is great. Now, how much of all this is is tied to the you know the overall world economy? Is the the macro economy is is hard to say. I mean, the, you know, the business is booming all around the world, so of course Apple as a bellwether is is booming as well. Uh, we'll just have to wait and see. You know what happens as things things are you know liable to slow down. <laughs> Certainly, we saw in the past few days how quickly sure. things can turn. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So as things slow down, you know, these numbers probably will slow down as well. But but as of now, it looks like things are pretty good. Bro. Yeah. So I'm going to skip the next story and I want to come back to it, but um, so don't let me forget. But because the, the third post I have here, and I just put this one up just before we started the show, um, was it says Apple slowing. This is, again, follow up from last week where we talked about the, the slowing of the iPhone 10 sales. Demand means no super cycle for Apple. And I should explain that in Canada, we have a company called CCM, I don't know if you have that in the States, that makes bicycles, and I believe they make a bicycle called a supercycle, <laughs> but I don't think this is the same supercycle. Like Can you ex- explain to me what that means, Mark? Well, or you know, supercycle you know? is, is a term, again, that analysts made up, and remember, analysts are, are kind of uh, critics, if you if you want to call it that, of the, of they're sort of critics of businesses in some sense. They critique businesses and give their yeah. opinions on how, what businesses are going to do. Uh, they're not actually involved in the in the business. So they're outsiders that just use whatever information they have to come up with some kind of prediction. And some of them are better than others and some are more sensationalist than others. You know, some are almost like uh, the TMZ of, of Wall Street, right? They just right, yeah. they generate clicks and things like Stir that. the pot, yeah. Yeah, so, I don't, you know, the super cycle was, you know, people have ideas about, um, you know, over multi-years of, you know, there's there's times when demand for the phones kind of goes down, and but then things align because all those people who didn't buy in those years have to buy again. And so so over in certain years, there'd be a big jump up and it goes, you know, as, as a lot of people have to renew their phones or refresh their phones, then you're going to get a big move up. And, and some people were predicting that for the iPhone, for this year, for the iPhone 10. You know, who knows? It's, again, it's it's all, I mean, th- this this guy's basically taking the same story that, oh, the iPhone 10 isn't as strong as he thought the iPhone 10 was going to be. So that means that the super cycle that he predicted isn't happening. Happening. That's the gist of right, this article. Right. So, you know, take it with a big grain of salt because this guy's basically just talking about his own predictions and how his own predictions didn't come true. It's loosely coupled to reality, but but only loosely. But so, I mean, so I guess the TLDR on, on the super cycle is there, I guess they were th- looking at the second paragraph here that, you know, didn't get the super cycle rates thanks to the iPhone 10. Um, is that like them saying that they expected the iPhone 10 was just going to like fly off the shelves and make Apple a big bundle of money like the original iPhone did. Yeah, so they they were expecting that you know the, that the, the it was time for a lot of people to upgrade their phones because they hadn't recently. Right. And with the iPhone 10, it would it would it would be enough to to um, inspire lots and lots of people to upgrade, so they'd get a huge increase. That was that was the thinking. Right. Okay. Cool. You know, it's funny. We talked. You weren't on the show a couple of weeks ago. We talked about. Um, we were talking about movies anywhere, which is oh, the Disney so, thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I do think it was a little unfair to movies anywhere. I mean, um, yeah. The, the general concept makes sense to me. With that, that uh, like the, the like it sucks to have yet another account. But if you have oh, just oh, that yeah. other account, then it's like, all right, I bought Wonder Woman on iTunes. Now I can go watch it on Google Play. Um, not really for free because I've already paid for it, but I'm not paying twice yeah. for it. 
No, I mean, I like the idea that, that at least there's a service to consolidate everything. That, that, that makes sense to me. I like that. I mean, I like that idea. Like, you're right. I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm beginning to wonder, like, you know, at one point, you know, I'm paying a lot of money to the cable companies to give me all this, this content, you know, on television and I can flip through channels and I can PVR things at my leisure. And they know that we're PVRing things. They mentioned it during the, during their advertising. They set your PVR, blah, 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 for their show, right? But, you know, iTunes and Amazon and Netflix, they're, they're disparate systems. And then, of course, then we've got the, the, what we were talking about in the, in this context was the ultraviolet movies versus the iTunes movies when you buy digital content and it comes with your, your physical discs, right? Um, yeah. And, and the way they're presented is different, right? Which, whereas if, if this whole concept of movies anywhere can consolidate all that into one place, I'm all for that, right? You know, uh, I don't mind having another account if it, if it brings everything together, right? Yeah. You'd like to see it happen for a lot of other things too, music, books, yeah. you know, that sort of thing. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, I'm, I use Audible for audio books because again, I listen to them on commuting as well, but, uh, um, so I haven't looked at this Disney app. What, what's the idea behind it? Oh, the movies anywhere. Yeah. Well, what it is, is, uh, it consolidates. Like if you, you've, you've bought disc, do you buy movies on disc anymore at all? Or I don't buy movies period. Oh, okay. Well, when you, if you buy them on disc, they come with a digital download. Like if you buy them, you know, fairly close to when they're released. Right. And sometimes it's iTunes. So they give you an iTunes code and you just punch it into your, your iTunes account and it, you know, unlocks the movie for you. Um, other times it's a company called Ultraviolet, which used to have their own sort of streaming service and then they moved, they merged with Flixster and then now it's no longer Flixster doing the app. It's now Flixster HD is doing the, the video streaming. And now they've gone over to another thing called Vudu, V-U-D-U, um, to allow you to watch these. And it's just, it's just, enough already too many of these different places to go and get this one thing like you know whereas itunes is always at itunes and then there's the Google Play Store. If you buy, you can buy, like, you can get Wonder Woman through, you know, iTunes or you can get it through Google Play Store. But, you know, which account that I buy it under and all that kind of stuff. So what Movies Anywhere does, and correct me if I'm wrong, Jaime, but what it does is it allows you to create one account with Movies Anywhere, but tie in, like like we do with App Annie. You know, you put your, your iTunes account information in and you put your Google Play information in, account information in, and you put your Amazon Prime information in or your ultraviolet information. And it presents all of the movies that you own from these various systems in one place only, so you can watch only it Disney with... movies though no no it's um that's what their website's saying what for movies anywhere yeah really I was under the impression it was kind of like Hulu that was uh, a handful of uh, providers that were gotten together so I have not used this service myself but okay so it's only for Disney stuff oh, well, really okay, I thought it's it was so a... clear they're saying every time they talk about movies they say Disney movies anywhere movies it's not clear oh, that right. they're just if they were they're talking about well, well, it's not clear which movies are classified as Disney Movies Anywhere movies. No, so I don't know. I'm looking at Movies Anywhere website, right? MoviesAnywhere.com. And if you scroll yeah. to the bottom, it says brought to you by 20th Century Fox, Sony, Universal, Disney, and Warner Brothers. And then it's got like in what I'm seeing, I see the Darkest Hour. I see the new Denzel Washington. Geo yeah, but Storm. I'm a little unclear. How many of those do they own? Do they own all of them? I have no clue. Because yeah. <laughs> there's been the so much movie? consolidation. I'm a little unclear now. Do they own the, the Lego movie? But they're saying... 
enjoy the, uh, they're saying oh, that they're, that's interesting. I was at the I was at the Disney Movies Anywhere website. Oh, Movies Anywhere website. Right. No, no, no. So beyond the branding problem, I think the the proposition <laughs> for users yeah. is that uh, assuming you know this consortium of, of providers are like, yeah, that's a good idea. You know, because um, it reduces ecosystem lock in. Right. We've talked about like, hey, yeah. you're all in on Apple. Guess what? You're never going to move to Google because you're going to have to rebuy all your music, all your movies, yeah. all your books. And that's advantageous to the providers like, you know, Google and Apple and Amazon. But from a consumer standpoint, it's like, well, that's dumb. Like the only yeah. reason I don't have the ability to move it between providers because I don't have a physical thing anymore. It's locked away by DRM bits. Yeah. No, this this full movies anywhere thing, like I'm looking at the sci-fi, you know, mix. It's like Inception, Alien, Blade Runner, Children of Men, Total Recall, District 9, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Those are, you know, Clockwork Orange, Men in Black, Matrix, Star Wars A New Hope, you know, 2001 Space Odyssey. That's a Warner Brother movie for sure. And The Matrix is a Warner Brother movie, whereas Star Star Wars is now Disney, right? So it's it's a it, my point is that it's it's a place to sort of consolidate the four or five different providers into one account instead of having to, you know, because, you know, with the Google Play app, because it's from Google, I can't use Apple Play to play to my TV and that kind of stuff, right? So whereas this, I would assume Movies Anywhere has, uh, probably has an iOS, well, it must have an iOS app if our friend was working on it, right? Um, well, I'm trying to figure out if there's a Disney app that's distinct from this Movies Anywhere app. Yeah, no, I think. Or is it all the same? Oh, I see what you're saying. Or like they have their own brand, their own white label version of it or something. Well, there's like there own... are absolutely two different websites. There's a moviesanywhere.com. Yeah. And there's yeah. DisneyMoviesAnywhere.com. Oh, maybe and Greg got Disney Movies stuff. Anywhere is specifically about Disney. Their properties, yeah. But, but there's links to Movies Anywhere. So it's part of Movies Anywhere in some way. Yeah. I mean, I'm not looking at the website, but if I were to, to posit one thing that, you know, there's like the whole Disney branding that gets a little bit sort of awkward for them as they've consolidated things that, all right, you've got family friendly things like Mickey Mouse. All right. That's cool. Yeah. You know, yeah. Pixar stuff. All right. Star Wars. Okay. Getting a little bit questionable for like the real small youngins, but uh, still relatively family friendly. Marvel movies, the same thing. But I think they still need that sort of Miramax style sort of separation yeah. of like, hey, kids, use the Disney movies anywhere app to watch the movies don't use the regular one because that's where all the you know the nudity and violence is yeah like even youtube has like a youtube kids app that's specifically meant for like a subset of youtube yeah i think this is this is tied in together mark because i'm looking at disney movies anywhere but the icon the blue m with the movies anywhere you know yeah. movies no i think you're right i same. think i think movies anywhere it is the main service and that's a separate yeah i don't know if it's a separate company or if it's a consortium of all these companies or whatever it's, it seems to be a separate entity and Disney movies anywhere is is uh, because they're part of this entity. They have their own branding that are that's being used to. If you actually own Disney movies, it's yeah. you can follow this branding to merge them into the yeah. into the overall brand. So the one thing the one that irks me, of course, about it is because it, you can sign up for it now. Like, um, but I believe the terms of use. If I go into that one in detail, because I did this the other day, and we we're talking about this, is it is for persons in the United States of America, uh-huh. right? Which is where I brought up the the sad irony that you would be a Canadian working on a project that you can't actually yeah. take a benefit of yourself. Yeah.
Right, so this next uh, story is a follow-up on our, our discussion about uh, self-driving cars and parking. And this is actually uh, a Japanese company to come up with slippers that have um, smarts built into them. So they will actually go and park, you know, once you take them off your feet, they will go and park themselves, you know, through a self-driving technology that they've enabled in them from Nissan. So I just thought that would be an interesting follow-up. It's yeah. an interesting use of the technology because it makes me think of like Iron Man from the Mar- Marvel movies, right? Where yeah. it sort of just casually walks and the suit assembles itself around him, right? Yeah, or yeah. disassembles and goes away. Like, yeah, I don't know how transformative it would be to not have to put my slippers away <laughs> or my shoes or any clothing, but I kind of really don't want to have to if it's possible for this thing to do itself. Well, so if you take your shoes off in a field, like you were saying last week, then the, you, at least you'll know that they're going to park themselves properly, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. My shoes just zooming off on their way home, <laughs> trying to find their little. Roomba spot. They're they're just silly enough to to maybe be the next big thing. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah, exactly. The new Crocs, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Do you have some Crocs in the states? Of course, still do. do. Really? Oh, still wow. do. They, I they're so like there is a utility to them, and they look like they cost about fifty cents to manufacture in yeah, this quantity. Yeah. So I, yeah. I I think they are here permanently. Yeah. Uh, funny funny story is I used to play hockey with one of the guys who invented the technology behind that the the physicist guy who came up with the, the foam thing or whatever they were made out of. So, yeah, small world, eh? Um, <laughs> right, enough about self-driving slippers. Um, oh, yeah, so th- here's a story that, that uh, I, I don't know if you guys had heard about this or not, but uh, I heard about this on Spark, uh, which is our, our um, technology show on CBC Radio here. Apparently, um, the Strava app um, keeps you know keeps track of where you where you do your running and that kind of stuff. And and people who are athletic are you know often uh, eager to share their results online. I've seen like people do bike runs and they they upload the map that they of the track that they, or the circuit that they rode on their, with their Strava app. Um, but apparently, so, uh, they published a and this is the second time they published something. They published a, a map back in 2014 of all the sort of places where people have used their like a world map where all the people have used the app. App, and they published it again this recently, and um, people were able to sort of pinpoint where secret naval bases and or army bases and and you know um, I forget what they call them like the you know the the Area Fifty One kind of places just by looking at these heat maps of of where people are exercising and they're able to to pinpoint them down and and uh, so it's kind of the, the interesting st- part about this story is that it's you know individually like you know you can manage each individual could manage his privacy. But on mass, like in a group, um, I don't know if anybody really kind of looked at how that kind of expands out. Like in terms of, in the case of like a, a, an army base or whatever, you don't want to basically kind of give your enemies a target. But this this Strava map kind of sort of does that, right? Um, and the, the person who's talking about it on the show, his name is uh, Arvind uh, Narayanan. I'm going to go with a scientist from Princeton University was talking about how even even with Strava, they've got this this uh, privacy setting you can have where you can say, well, I don't want to map anything near my house, right? So you can pinpoint where your house is and you can say, well, for like 300 meters or 1,000 meters or whatever, don't capture this information. But the heat map ends up leaving this circle in the middle of the map, which kind of yeah, which tells, tells pinpoints where, where your house is, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's an interesting interesting exercise. 
thought exercise anyway about um, how this technology, which on the one hand, you know, it's kind of like your, it gives you the ability to sort of share with your buddies about your progress in your, your exercise regime. But by the same token, though, it kind of exposes globally or like en masse to um, kind of defeats the whole purpose of privacy, right? What do you think? It's scary, but it's the world we live in. Yeah, but I mean, from the point of view of your, of your let's imagine you're an app developer and this is the kind of um, thing that you're doing, like you're building this kind of this kind of stuff. I mean, innocently they published this app, and yet you know, I think the exa- yeah the example they've got here uh, in one of the, I don't know if you see, see the images there. One of them they've got is a, um, a map of a heat map of High Park in Toronto, which which shows all the paths, you know, the road the roads and paths, and you can actually um, if you're looking at that, you can sort of see there's like a hump in the middle. If you're looking like looking at the map or not, but there's a hump at the bottom, right? That's the that's the lakeshore um, uh, where the basically the lake is, right? Where it comes up like that there. And on the right, left-hand side, there's kind of a uh, like a sort of funny little shape um, thing. Looks like a sort of distorted tree, maybe with a nose on the side of it. That's Grenadier Pond, right? And and somebody looking at this map, like me looking at this map, I know this is part of Toronto. You know what I mean? Like you could probably, like if you did, if you have a Strava map of San Francisco, you could probably see where the park is over. I forget the name of the park over on the sorry Golden Gate Park. Golden Gate Park, yeah, you, you know, because you can sort of see, and then you know, towards Haight Ashbury and all that kind of stuff, you could see, and then the beach along the the left coast let's call it you know or where the, um, the presidio is and that kind of stuff or or even you could sort you could you know eventually build a line that makes up market street right um you know you just by looking at these these heat maps right so it's kind of interesting technology that uh you know you can also like in this particular image you can see the the way the the streets are laid out in grids and you know and there they are and that kind of stuff right mm-hmm. it's an interesting world i i saw multiple angles to this so one i saw was kind of a oh my gosh they're like giving away this like base secrets which i can see on one hand because you know satellite imagery will give you one thing but seeing you know human level perimeters of like oh i, I guess there's no wall there where there's no bombs or anything there because people are clearly running right past this one area um so there's no fencing or any or, or difficult sort of obstacles but i also feel like that's probably more incumbent on sort of the the people at those sites to to be aware of security i don't really blame Strava so much for this. I'm no, no, I'm not blaming Strava, but I'm, but I'm, I'm it's interesting. No, no, I'm not saying like, you, but like I definitely saw a, like a large backlash against Strava because of that. Oh yeah, okay. Which I didn't, yeah. I didn't quite understand. I'm like, all right, well, uh, yes, Google Maps does blur out, you know, some military bases and whatnot, but I, I don't know how that occurred. I assumed it was some sort of request from the U.S. government. Oh yeah. I don't know why they didn't do that in this case, but um, can guarantee you in the, in the future people will probably consider it. Um, and when it comes to like the personal privacy angle, like I don't think it was unreal reasonable in this case that Strava had this sort of information like the user has elected to, to track this information they find it useful yeah. do you think from the the location fuzzing sort of thing of like you know have privacy around my house yeah. uh, I'm not a user of Strava so I can't make this claim but from what I see and, and people are giving examples it does seem like they could have done something a little bit more intelligent to fuzz the location and I, I say that because when I was at offer up that was like a problem we had to deal with too right oh, really? Where, yeah yeah um, you know you're you're selling you know this kitchen appliance from your house right and you, you want to list it kind of in, like in your general neighborhood right you you want yeah. people to know that hey like i'm up on the hill i'm not down in the valley sort of stuff right and 
there wasn't really any sort of like guarantee when you're looking at like the the map representation that the user was actually in that circle. It was like they're they're kind of in this this region, right? Um, and granted, like Strava has kind of a more difficult problem because it's like, well, you're not gonna run 20 miles in some random direction and then do your your actual run. So I'm 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 not sure what their options were for them, but it does feel like they could have done something a little bit more sophisticated for users who said, oh yeah, please don't track you know this area around my house sort of thing. Well, it's so not just, at least it's a not just Strava, but it's also like you know in the case of I'm looking at this world map here. Oh yeah, I can see California here. Um, but like it's not just uh, Strava that that is the culprit here. It's also the you know the the military base of of runners. You know, um, in, in retrospect, now they they can probably go in and say um, you shouldn't you know have you should opt out of this this tracking because we don't want you know on mass the army could opt out of it because they don't want to give away positions you know that kind of stuff sacred positions right yeah we had an interesting similar problem when I worked at uh, a startup a couple of years ago several years ago that was yeah. a social networking for college students I probably mentioned that I that I did right this. yeah 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 and yeah. one of the one of the big features is that it was supposed to be what we called hyper local which was you know when you're a student you want to know what people right around you are doing and saying and thinking right yeah. but at the same time we had an anonymous posting option so at the beginning no one really thought too much about the fact that when you're anonymous uh if you're giving out your location when you're anonymous then yeah. in many cases it's not too hard to figure out actually who who you are because if it's if there's an anonymous post coming from you know the dorm room next to you then you right. kind of know who it is so and again at first we didn't really pay much attention to it but it became pretty obvious pretty fast that we had to turn that feature off we had to turn off the location uh awareness part of the anonymous mm. post which which took something away from the product in some sense you know it took, right, took right. some some of the you know the, the feeling of this is someone nearby you know and 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 that was part of the selling point of the product um but we really had to you know because you just can't they're, they're two different uh, uh two different features that just are fundamentally incompatible with each other so mm-hmm. you know so i don't I, I don't think you can really blame strava because you know it, it's not really it wasn't part of their business model to be thinking about that you know it had nothing to do with no that. yeah so this is this is a side product of of of, of this technology and right i mean it's cool on one hand, right? You know, and I'm sure that's probably why they wanted to share it, right? But uh, yeah, it's just you know potentially dangerous, right? Yeah. By the way, I just uh, you saw as you see in the in the chat there, I just posted or in Slack, I posted. Uh, I, it took me two seconds to find San Francisco just from the shape of it, and <laughs> you know, uh, I zoomed in on the map, and there you can see what I was talking about with Golden Gate Park and Market Street, and, and you can see the Presidio, and you can see the bit of the Golden Gate Bridge I left in the shot, right? For those of you driving at home, <laughs> yeah, I don't know San Francisco well enough to sort of read into the map but i know yeah i saw a different post that people did about detroit and you could very clearly see oh this is where all the middle class and upper class folks live oh really the bright oh, wow. orange lines and then the areas that there's like complete darkness is where you know less fortunate people live sure which kind of makes sense because it's like you know something like a strava is is not a necessity right and even people mm-hmm. who um tend to be you know the kind of people who do fitness stuff are, are not people who are working you know a, a full-time job 
job and another full-time job, you know, or a part-time job, you know, they're not sure. barely scraping by. So there's, there's all sorts of sort of interesting social aspects that I think can be gleaned from this data. And I think that was sort of Strava's intention, not to, not to give away military secrets, not to, yeah, yeah. you know, create class war or anything, just interesting data, I think, because it, it's, it's very pretty to look at in a weird sort of way. Yeah, no, it is. I mean, it's kind of, kind of an interesting organically put together thing. Cause yeah, like you said, the, the brighter or the closer to white that, that, uh, part of the neighborhood is in is the highest traveled area, right? So, you know, it's funny from this, I can, I like, I'm just looking at Ontario right now and, and, you know, I can see the, the bridge across the Hamilton Bay and, you know, I can see, you know, I can see Toronto is like, just like completely white cause it's huge. Right. Um, let's see if I can see, if I can see my house from space. So here. Is Hamilton in Canada named after Alexander Hamilton? <laughs> no. Who's it named after? How do you know? It's Where named you? after Hamilton in the UK. Most oh. of, most of our names come from the, from the United kingdom okay yeah is there like a bob hamilton like <laughs> we're reaching into canadian side of, of history where I'm a, less of less schooled in hamilton's a, is a traditional british name right like last name so yeah, you know, like toronto used to be called york right hamilton. what's that it must have been named after some hamilton yeah yeah i'm sure i'm sure well you can go to ancestry dna and find out what your what your ancestry name ancestry name where your name comes from but um yeah like like uh like toronto used to be called york back in the day right so and then i guess we were too close to New York, the New York, because New York is named after the same place too, right? Named after York in England. True. So it used to be named after Amsterdam. Though. I mean, you can throw the T in the in the bay, but you can't get rid of the name, right? <laughs> Sorry, the harbor. You can still be the tea in the harbor. <laughs> yeah, see, I live I live near the Don Valley. I'm just looking at this map, this heat map here, and of course, there's a, there's a bunch of trails on both sides of the Don Valley where people run run up and down and ride their bikes and stuff. And um, you can pretty much see, like uh, looking at this map, you can see um, the Don Valley pretty clearly. I wonder if you can see my house from here. Hmm. There's no ex- exercise happening in my place. That's for sure. I can tell by this map. <laughs> there's a big cold zone around your house. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, actually. It's funny because I, I live near I live near Riverdale. Uh, uh, sorry, it's called Bridgepoint Health, which is the uh, if you ever watch um, uh, Orphan Black, they the the Don Don Jail and and the Bridgepoint Health are the two buildings that stand in for the um, the I think it's called Dyn- Dynason or something like that um, on Orphan Black, like the the this place where all the science happens, right? And there's a track, a running track down there on the down the hill in the valley from there, and you can actually you can actually make out the oval here. I'm looking at this map where people run around the track, right? Which is kind of cool, you know? And then we also have a, like a lozenge-shaped uh, area. Like, um, So if you wanted to find out where Queen's Park is, which is where our, our um, provincial government is, you can definitely make it out here on this map because people run around it. <laughs> like It's like a circle on the map. You're like, like pointing it out. Anywho, that's, that's it. Real-time real follow-up here. So the town of Hamilton was conceived by George Hamilton, ah. who is son of Robert, presumably Bob Hamilton. So right. wasn't that Mm. Yeah. Wait, this is Hamilton, Ontario or Hamilton? Hamilton, Hamilton. Ontario. Really? Oh. It was the first result in Google when I searched for Hamilton, Canada. Cool. Cool. Well, I know that Brant is named after Joseph Brant. Or Brantford, I should say. Let me look at Bob Hamilton here. <laughs> actually is a Bob Hamilton. Great. <laughs> Came to Canada as part of a contract with a fur trading company. Operating west of the Great Lakes. The Hudson Bay Company. That's for sure. So where does Toronto come from? I did not look. It's not, not linked here. <laughs> okay. Toronto, Wikipedia. 
The name of Toronto has a history distinct from that of the city itself. Originally, the name Taranto referred to a channel of water between Lake Simcoe and Lake Kuchiching. Mm-hmm. At a time, the name passed south- southward and was eventually applied to a new fort at the mouth of the Humber River. Mm-hmm. Is it Humber or Umber? Humber, yeah. Umber, the front. Umber, <laughs> Umber, you mean? Umber, yeah. Umber, the Umber River? I don't know how we say oh, no. river in French. Apologies to the French people. French-speaking people of Canada. Oh, look, there's Mississaugas. Jaime in the same I'm looking at a Wikipedia here the what line that I found is the name so it's a, it says the name Toronto is likely derived from the Iroquois word Toronto meaning place where trees stand in the water is there are there a lot of trees standing in the water in Toronto <laughs> there was at the time but they're all gone we, we tore them down and put up uh, skyscrapers tore them down and turned them into maple syrup yeah yeah. you famous just grinding syrup. them up squeezing them that's right whatever yeah. it is they do to get maple syrup tapping them I guess <laughs> they tap them yeah they don't grind them up at all uh uh, have like a see. big juicer like for oranges I guess it probably wouldn't make sense would it yeah actually I posted a what thing here kidding. about the, the uh... <laughs> we're going well off the rails here <laughs> back uh, back to the uh, back to the schedule well so I, just just so you uh, to follow up here so Arvind uh, Narayanan um, his he's random underscore walker on uh, Twitter and he's got a he's, I've got a link here in the show notes he's talking about this whole uh, before he was on Spark he was tweeting about this this whole discovery and uh, I think the gentleman he mentioned in this or the Twitter handle of the gentleman he, who discovered this um, this uh, map thing here uh, for yeah for example privacy zones allow you to hide your activities that lie in a circle around your house but if you gray out the circle around the house isn't my house the center of the circle that's his tweet there that I've got uh, highlighted here in the show notes for those of you driving at home or running with your Strava app at home um, there you go cool so since we're talking about privacy anyway uh, another piece that was on the Spark show was about uh, a speaker that is taking on the likes of Amazon and Apple and uh, Google um, because they've got a, it's basically an open source speaker system similar to the, the smart speakers that we got, we're talking about in the last couple of weeks. But this one puts privacy first. So in other words, um, nothing is shared. Uh, it's a pri- They're calling it a privacy first smart speaker. So it's private by default and you have to, you, you have to opt in to whether or not uh, you want to share your information with them. So it's kind of an interesting product from that point of view. Yeah, I've seen, anecdotally, I've seen a fair number of people who have said that they are, you know, buying their first smart speaker, you know, that being the HomePod, specifically right. because of the privacy stance that Apple has, as opposed to Amazon and Google's respective stances. So I, I wouldn't discount too much the idea of um, having a privacy-first sort of, you know, Tracking, privacy yeah. as a feature sort of thing, because it, it seems like there are enough folks who, you know, believe in that sort of thing thing where it, it came to my attention that, you know, many, many people seem to be into it. I'm, I'm not sure how big of a market it is per se. So I kind of wonder about this uh, smart speaker. Like it, it can't be just, hey, it protects your privacy and then does nothing good. Like it still has to be good <laughs> enough, nothing, right? Yeah. If you can get yeah. 80% of the way there, that, that's probably good enough. What What is Apple's privacy stance you were saying about the HomePod? Well, uh, I don't know that they've specifically called it out and I, I, I might be wrong here, but I think it's more that uh, Apple's sort of stance on privacy in general is is the most clear, right? It's, we really don't want to have your data in the first place. We're not going to sell your data. We just want you to you know, pay good money for our products sort of thing, as opposed right, to... Right. Uh, 
people's respective takes on Amazon of like, well, Amazon uh, may not sell your data to other people, but it absolutely tries to use your data sort of implied against you to try to sell you more stuff. And Google's um, kind of like, well, they're more or less selling your data to other people is sort of like the, the implication people have for that. And I don't know that either one of those three sort of stances is 100% on the money, but I can I can kind of see where people would feel more comfortable that Apple is going to um, protect your privacy by mostly not even having your information, not storing right. it, not, you know, running algorithms on it, you know, that sort of thing. Right, right. I mean, like, yeah, I mean, we've, we've talked about this in the past where, you know, a couple of years ago, we were, you know, you'd go into search for something online and um, some cookie would get stored somewhere on your, your machine. And then when you went back, when you back to Facebook or whatever, the, within a day or so, you would see advertising, advertisements for the same thing you were searching for on Amazon the day before. That oh, kind of thing, Amazon, right? or, Amazon's really bad about that. I mean, you'll, you'll go on their website and literally yeah. a minute later, you'll get an email. I think that you were looking for. <laughs> that happens to me all the time. It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, so, and that's kind of like, you know, when I go to look at midget porn in my browser, I don't necessarily want to buy the movie. You know what I mean? Like Amazon, thank you very much. But, you know, like it's, you, you want, you would think that there should be some disconnect. I mean, I get that they're in the business to make money and they want, you know, they're, they're trying to sell you things that, that you think are popular or, or, you know, have grabbed your attention already. But yeah, there's some, there's a little bit, it's kind of creepy in some, in that sense that they're, they're kind of watching what you do. Like there's no, you know, can't I just use my computer, you know, by myself, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, unfortunately the answer is no, you cannot. Yeah. Or, <laughs> or like, yeah. Or, or same thing with the speaker and that kind of stuff. Like, um, you know, I mean, it's bad enough. We have like, you know, there's a certain gallery that, that, uh, I belong, I'm a member of, and they've taken it upon themselves to call me every couple of days to try and get me to, you know, sell, buy things or donate to some other things and what have you. And they have a really smooth talking person on the other end, but I never opted in to have them, you know, call me whenever they want to. And I, and I certainly would, if there was an option, I would go in and say, don't call me. And, and yet, you know, they feel they have the privilege to do that. Right. So like, you know, it's, you buy like same thing happens if you buy a cell phone, you know, the, the cell phone carrier will call you within days to sort of, I mean, and I get it, they're trying to follow up on the service or whatever. If you have a tech issue or something, they want you to rate the, rate the poor schmo who has to help you on the phone, you know, by giving him one star or whatever. Um, but you know, at some point in time, it's like, okay, just leave me alone. I got my problem solved and I don't really want to continue this conversation. Right. So I just, I don't like the fact that, that we're, we're being scrutinized all the time. It's like an episode of black mirror, you know, <laughs> where, yeah. I, and I think this is an area I, I'm pretty sure we've said something similar on the show before, but I think it's good to remind people that we really should vote with our dollars, right? Like if you, um, feel that these companies are, are not doing, you know, uh, fair and equal business with you, there are alternatives to Amazon and Google, mm-hmm. right? Like, you know, mm-hmm. there are plenty of sites, like plenty of retail sites for, for, uh, compared to Amazon. Uh, as far as Google goes, it seems like, um, DuckDuckGo is, yeah, uh, exactly. is a very popular alternative. Um, poor old Bing is out there. <laughs> Google for that one. And that's, that's kind of the point. Um, uh, yeah, Bing, and, Bing and even Apple is, itself, right? Like, yeah, you can vote with your dollars very directly with Apple, right? It's like if 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 they put something in the iPhone 10 series two that you're like, holy smokes, that that's an abuse of my privacy. Don't buy it, and then they'll get the hint of like, oh, maybe that was a bridge too far, and and adjust yeah. their business practices. I really am enjoying this this um, this um, uh, secure browsing that we have now on on iOS 11, where they where they the non tracking kind of thing. Um, I was reading an article the other day, and I just noticed all these blank 
white space on the on the web page, and I realized it was because the ads weren't coming through, which I thought was kind of cool. Right? Have you guys noticed that? Or is my ghost reworking over time? <laughs> like if yeah, you, if I've, you're on- I've used a so I'm using Bear as the the content blocker on iOS, and I use uh, what's it called Ghostery on yeah. uh, on Mac OS, and they both yeah. work pretty well. I mean, I'm not the sort of person who like oh my gosh, I like I have to have like the latest and greatest. So I'm sure eventually I'll figure out that there's like superior alternatives. But yeah. they do more or less the job of not so much the tracking aspect for me because mm-hmm. it is avoiding the the malware of mm-hmm. uh, you know like real like really bad ads yeah but also sort of like the um more efficiency or sort of the efficiency aspect of you know i don't want to download a hundred kilobyte you know verge article that yeah. then has 20 megabytes of ads that i'm yeah. just going to whip right by right like especially if i'm uh, on lte versus uh, wi-fi sort of thing yeah well i think I, I recalled actually what it was i was looking at a site the other day i think i'm pretty sure it was on my mac where it was one of these sites where you know that you won't believe these 200 shots we have and, and you go in there and it's like one shot and you have to click to the next one next one next one but on the page it was which would have been full of ads was just full of white space i could actually look at the picture i wanted to look at and then go to the next one and look at that picture and you know in their sort of clickbaity way but not get served up those ads right which, it, you know it is unbelievable every once in a while you'll have to turn the blocking off because some website won't work right yeah uh, yeah, yeah, and yeah so i've done that and forgotten to turn it back on and go to another <laughs> and you're just barraged by by ads. It's amazing. Yeah. I don't know how anyone can survive without having the contents. Yeah, I know. Exactly. I ran into the... Uh, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good and, and paranoid about remembering when I've turned it off because I, mm-hmm. I tend to only do it when I, I have no alternative. Like, it will not move forward. Yep. And I ran into a situation, uh, I think just this very week, where there was a promotion from Google. It's like, hey, get a free audiobook, you know, from our, our selection here and connect right, to yeah. your Google Home and, and it can read it to you. I was like, all right, why not? <laughs> I mean, it's a free book. I mean, how dumb would I be to turn that thing down? It didn't. It's coming from Google. It didn't seem to be, you know, one particular partner sort of thing. And then I go in, I'd go through the little Google checkout and I click the yes, buy this book, you know, and then it becomes free and it's just spinning there indefinitely. I'm like, hmm, is my Wi-Fi <laughs> nice. doing bad things? Because it tends to do bad things in the in the winter. No, I can, I can visit other sites. And I just left it there for like, all right, well, maybe there's like a whole bunch of people pummeling this thing. But after about five minutes, I came back and said, wait a minute, is this still not finished? What the hell is going on? Oh. Dang it, Google. I thought you had better engineers than this. All right, let me turn off the content blocker, go through the process again. Oh, look, it works, which implies that one of the uh, the tracking ads was uh, was like hanging because it just like had not loaded what it intended to do. Really? So, hmm. bummer there. But I did get my free book and then promptly turned on Ghostry again. Yeah, I thought, I thought with Ghostry you can just turn it off for one site at a time. You can, but I, I, I block everything. Like, there there's no whitelisting for me. Oh, really? Okay. Like So, you, so when, you, when you look at uh, all those trackers and stuff, you see nothing? coming up in the in the the tracker bar you know those floating no, it shows you all the ones that are there but they're crossed yeah. out when you have block them turned on yeah 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 i don't have them all turned off because i there's some that, that some of the sites i like to visit use those things so i don't mind sharing that information with them okay so moving on we've got some kerfuffle here you want to tell us about uh Jaime. Yeah, I, I think this story has been resolved, but I'll, I'll give you sort of the, the quick version of the story. And then also what we've got here in a link in the show notes for those driving at home is a, a really good take on sort of the hows, whens, whys, and implications from a friend of the show, Charles Perry. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a Twitter, uh, a tweet storm, I guess. It's more of a thread. Mm-hmm. The basic story, as I understand it, is that there's an app called BitTracker, and I believe it tracks um, cryptocurrency valuations. You can say, hey, I have you know 10 Bitcoin 
Bitcoin. All right, we'll give you a little chart that shows you, you know, how much is your Bitcoin worth today, your, your total Bitcoin worth today. Apparently, they submitted a new app version that included App Store um, screenshots that included uh, Apple emoji in there. Like, in, I don't even know where. It was somewhere in the UI, right? Like a text box or something, or, or maybe a label like, hey, you know, cha-ching bunny sort of emoji. And they got rejected by Apple. And it seemed to point towards some, like, don't use copyrighted trademark, yada, 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 from, from Apple sort of thing. And that sounded insane, right? And mm-hmm. the internet got very, very unhappy about this. Like, oh, my God, we can't use emoji, blah, blah, blah. I, like, I think Charles Perry sort of put it like the best of like, okay, here's how you can interpret it such in a way that, yeah, you technically are violating Apple's trademark because they're, even though the emoji themselves, the, the code for the emoji, the Unicode value is um, not trademarked as far as I know. I think it's just open out there as part of the, uh, whatever consortium it is that handles that. Uh, the physical rendering of that is, as we've seen, different per platform. And Apple has its own particular style as opposed to like Google's weird blob sort of style. Mm-hmm. And so if you have taken that, uh, that Unicode value, you've rendered it into what's essentially like a JPEG or PNG and included that in your App Store screenshot, well, yeah, I guess you probably have technically, you know, violated their trademark or their copyright, whatever's uh, applicable for their artwork. Mm-hmm. Is it a dumb thing? Yeah. Like this is ridiculous that Apple uh, somewhere, and, and it might even be just like one reviewer that was rather um, persnickety about this. As far well, as I know, not, things actually. It's on. not actually because it's uh, sorry to interject, but mm-hmm. it's not because there are a number like Ryan Nystrom posted about this last week, saying that yeah, I put a link in the show notes there. His app GitHawk got rejected for having emoji in the screenshot, and, and there's an article here I just found from Nine to Five Mac. So it sounds like Apple is doing this on mass, right? Um, or, or it could be like one manager. I mean, we don't really know how the yeah. app stores set up, so it could be like you know some part of the hierarchy. Or heck, even if it was like you know all of the app store reviewers are told, hey this is like our take on the rule yeah yeah it seems like in in the meantime apple has actually backed off of this um i believe oh, tracker is has way able is able to go through without a second review without having to re-upload stuff uh, okay so it seems like apple's backed away from it so that's good because it's it seems like one of those yearly things where there's like some weird yeah. thing that apple gets really upset about and then there's a lot of internet you know buzz about it and then okay they back off on it um right so we'll, we'll see if this ends up getting talked about during the next like John Gruber special with uh, Phil Schiller or Greg Federighi or something. But uh, I really like Charles Perry's take here. It's like the seventh or eighth tweet of like, okay, what does this mean for devs? And I think for developers, if you really want to reduce your risk, you probably shouldn't use the emoji in your in your UI in a way that would show up in your app store screenshots. Because as far as anybody can tell, they're not actually digging so far into your app during review that they would be like, aha, see, on the seventh you know settings screen, I actually found an emoji and boom, rejecting your app. That was kind of the the whole kerfuffle in a nutshell, I think. Yeah, crazy. <laughs> I mean, I think I, for one, I, I can appreciate why the different platforms might have sort of different artistic representations of emoji, especially when yeah. it's meant to be a particular style that fits their their UI scheme. But mm-hmm. I think I've fallen more on the side of there really should be a standard for this standard, as dumb as that sounds, where, <laughs> you know, if I have, I don't know, what is it like the, the fortune cookie? No, you know what? The hamburger. The hamburger is a perfect example. The hamburger icon should just yeah. look the same on every platform. Why? why why does it need an illustrator to come in and make their own version? And even then Google ran into some trouble because the illustrator who designed their platforms, hamburger one, apparently had never you know eaten a hamburger before or was doing a really <laughs> poor job of making them. 
And their CEO had to come out and say, you know, by golly, we're going to fix this problem. It's like, well, maybe you shouldn't have to fix the problem if like they all just look the same. That's true. Well, I was saying, I was saying that we were talking about this in a meeting today at uh, work, and I pointed out that the, if you have a gun emoji, emoji on Android, it's a gun, but on iOS, it's a water pistol. Have you guys seen right. that? Mm. Yeah. At, which, at which point, uh, like politics has made it so that, yeah. you know, on this one platform, you can end up with misunderstandings where somebody intended it to be something else. A water or, pistol, not a gun. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, or right. So that, that becomes be a, gun, yeah. a, a dangerous sort of thing. I feel like there's a, a liability aspect to there where you right. have, it's not like you did, it It wasn't you know, lack of competence. It was like you willfully, mm-hmm. you know, avoided the user's context. It's like, you know, I, it, it would be no different than if I wrote like, great seeing you. And then autocomplete turned it to screw you. I hope you die. I'm going to eat your children. Right. Like that would be completely unacceptable. It's the same thing. It's literally the same thing. Like it, your politics may differ on this, but like if you're even going to support uh, like a gun emoji rather than having like the ugly square, you should support the intent from the user, not what you believe it should be. Right. right. Oh, well, stranger things have happened in review process. Yeah. Like you said, this is the, the, the bug of the day. All right. Well, moving on. Shall we get to our picks now? Sure. All right. So Jaime, what do you got? Yeah. I have one here that uh, it's not going to do too well in an audio medium. So we'll have it in the, <laughs> in the show notes for you, but I'll try describing it. Um, somebody had pointed out on Twitter and I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't, I didn't see who the original person was, so I can't really give good attribution, but they pointed out in one of the guides and sample code bits mm-hmm. specifically for the audio session programming guide, somebody has made a, a rather cute sort of diagram or a cartoon comic strip mm-hmm. panel of uh, how the system resolves competing audio demands. And in this case, I can describe it for you. It uses the uh, air traffic control at an airport sort of metaphor with uh, really cute art that uh, kind of reminds me of Microsoft Word clip art from like the late 90s. It's kind of got that style to it. Um, not meant as like a, a diss on it. It's just, it, it looks very cute and quaint. So I kind of wonder how old this particular diagram is. But I think for somebody who doesn't know anything about, um, you know, how the system resolves audio session commands, like like me, I don't know anything about that. I've not dug into core audio. Um, I found it pretty easy to understand. Like, oh, okay. I see that, that core audio is sort of like the air traffic control tower <laughs> and all the different apps are sort of like airplanes trying to get on and off the runway. Great. Got it. They did a really good job there. And I don't know, so, something for people to take a look at uh, when you've pulled off to the uh, side of the road, I guess. So, cool. I don't know how old the picture is, but it's at least as old as 2010. Because when I was getting into Core Audio back in 2010, I remember seeing this picture. It's a cartoon. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, maybe Apple will explain how auto layout works with like a hamburger <laughs> construction example. Yeah, with toothpicks. Yeah. Or instruction, the metaphor, like building a building or something. Mm-hmm. 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 So my pick is a sort of a stealth pick. I just, I've, I've actually hidden the actual pick um, in my, I'm just trying to get to my notes here. Where are they? Oh, right, here we go. Yeah. So this is a traditional time around uh, around Canada where we have a contest called Roll Up the Rim with, from Tim Hortons. Um, and what they do is they, they the, the paper cup has a curled over uh, rim that sort of, you know, helps you, aids you in getting the liquid into your face. 
Um, but so they, they, they plant prizes underneath the rim at this time of year and they have this rule. You can win a donut or you can win a free coffee. I think there's, they even give away a car. And the, the link that I've got here in the show notes right now is for a thing called a rim roller because it's, you know, some people have cha- are challenged by rolling up this rim. Um, and so they, this, this entrepreneur, and I think this is on, we have Dragon's Den here. You have Shark Tank in the States, but on Dragon's Den, he introduced this item and got supported by Kevin, Kevin, Kevin O'Leary to produce this thing. And it's basically a little plastic thing that, that, uh, cuts the edges of the rim. And at the same time, as you pull back up again, it kind of unrolls the, uh, the rim for you. So you don't have to, you know, hurt your fingers doing this. But this is not the pick. This is not my actual pick. This is just the setup. So this, this roll up the rim was a contest that Tim Hortons has been putting on for many years. And I know that Jaime is a secret Tim Hortons fan. So I wanted to introduce him to this new app that just came out today, or a new version of the app. I guess they've updated it. Um, and I'm just trying to find the link here. So while you're looking for that, Tim, do you think that this rim roller would work with other types of coffee cups other than Tim Hortons? Would it work with a Starbucks coffee cup or a Pete's coffee cup? Yeah, it would. Do they, it do would. they put prizes underneath the rims? No, I'm just curious. Yeah, I'm sure it would. It's probably, if, if they're constructed in the same <laughs> way, I'm sure they're all constructed in a similar way. Now you mentioned that, I'm sure the coffee cups at work at, that we use in our office uh, don't have any kind of prizes mm. and they have them. Where's my notes? I'm trying to paste this link in here so Jaime can see this really exciting. I'm just, drum roll please, Jaime. This is what well, this since is. I've never participated in the roll the rim well, just, I just sweepstakes, want... does it have like a perforation on the rim? No, no. It's, are, it's, are you it's... just like tearing it? Because I'm yeah, unclear. People are using their teeth. It's like it's a real hazard, you know, like they're 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 potentially destroying the, the little certificate that they win. Anyway, so my I've just pasted my link for my actual link thing in here. We are now entered the year of 2018 and Tim Hortons has now in their Tim Hortons app, the Timmy Me app, which I know you downloaded when you were here for um, uh, NS North. They've come up with a scroll up to win contest where you can use the app to scroll up and win a prize. Oh, I see. Okay. So... <laughs> It's hard to tell from the screenshots they have here. It'd yeah. be nice if they had a video, but is it like... I don't know. Do you have like a like a skeuomorphic sort of thing where you're sort of rolling up? Uh, yeah, like no, I think, a widget I think, of some I think sort? you literally just scroll up here. I, I do have the app on my phone. I should I should make sure I've got the update updated version. But I just thought you'd enjoy this this um, this link. I'll look up Tim Hortons here on my phone. Oh, here's my Tim Hortons app. The app looks. Uh, so I removed the app. Um, oh, did you? I was like, well, <laughs> there's no Tim Hortons in like 150 miles away from me, kind of thing. Yeah. You know, go, uh, maybe uh, Vancouver, BC, or Richmond, I guess. Right. Um, I was like, I don't need this app to sit here for for no reason uh but it looks considerably nicer than what i recall it looking they must have revamped it in the <laughs> intervening years yeah I'm, I'm just looking at this too my i think my uh my uh timmy's app needs to be updated let me just go to the app store and do that right now whoa apparently what? there's a tim hortons in san jose no way i just typed in oh, really? tim hortons usa into our friendly google app mm-hmm. and it came up with yeah, a canadian chain selling signature premium blend coffee that's kind of loose there right premium blend mm-hmm. uh plus mm-hmm. light fair like pastry Street's Indian Soup, 1500 South 10th Street in San Jose, downtown. That's so weird because their website doesn't have Can- uh, not Canada, uh, California listed. I see other states. Well, Look at that. The Canadians infiltrating. Yeah. Maybe that was Greg's actual mission in moving to the U.S. He's spreading important. Tim he actually opened. <laughs> it was his like sleeper agent duty to do that. That's right. Opened a franchise. Yeah. So, they, so they've updated their app because this is no longer the... Uh, they've updated the... So find your nearest Tim Hortons. I can click the OK button. 
button. I'd like to lose my use my location. Okay, sure, use my location. Let's see. So, Tim, I'm kind of surprised when you were here a few months ago that you didn't kind of sense the presence of the of Tim Hortons downtown. But have I not mentioned on this show several times <laughs> that I hate Tim Hortons coffee? So here it says earn one scroll per week after purchase. So I have to purchase, I guess. So I can't hit the button. Oh, look, it's got all the lovely coffees here. I can get like a bottle of water. At least it's drinkable. You can have some to, donuts. Maybe to go on a field trip this weekend. Take a picture for you, Tim. It's an interesting, interesting app. They have sandwiches, but they don't. Nothing's listed here. Their favorites, I guess. So they, they've updated their app, I guess, just simply for this uh, for this purpose. I mean, I know you're thrilled by this, of course. <laughs> It's uh well hopefully they have the roll the rim sort of thing so Mark uh, can participate and no, give us a roll up the rim so get, roll up the rim is that what it is yeah, roll yes, up the rim yeah yes. and this is now oh, roll oh, up how the interesting rim. it's in a hockey rink <laughs> no doubt yeah <laughs> they knew their market yeah, yeah. <laughs> How funny. Yeah, that's true. That is funny. <laughs> you know where you set lion traps? You put them in the jungle. Or, or <laughs> this is the, uh, the savannah. You don't put them in Antarctica, right? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Oh, look, there's an Android app coming too. Tim Hortons mobile order and pay iOS. An Android app now available. What do you know? I'm looking at the rimroller.com yeah. website and yeah. I'm intrigued by the possibilities of this uh, customization where you can put your own company's logo on there and I'm imagining all of these like job fairs career fairs in canada that almost certainly this is like the swag you would get instead of like a oh yes yes customized ring room. do you notice too it also says also available at lee valley tools that's where that's where uh, josh chisbury uh, ordered his drill bits to make his um uh, apple design award mock-ups that we talked about a couple of weeks ago well, it's a, a place where it sells um fine woodworking tools uh, okay so reading the reviews of this tim hortons apparently it's just the concession stand in the ice room that sells Tim Hortons coffee. It's not a full-blown yes. Tim Hortons. Oh, so you can't get the donuts uh, and the whole, you know, It says, don't experience. expect to order a double-double sugar and cream or self-serve. Really? Yeah, it's like when you have, like, the little Starbucks kiosk inside of, like, a grocery store. Yeah. It's not a yeah. full, real Starbucks. They, like, typically don't have the scanners that let you pay with, like, Starbucks cash. Mm-hmm. Um, right. So here's a question for you. Do you know what a double-double is? Uh, at uh, In-N-Out Burger, it's, uh, it's two patties and two cheese. <laughs> <laughs> is it? Yes. Well, double double is two sugars and two creams. Oh, okay. Yeah. And they have large, regular, and small, right? So, yep. So you just walk up and say, I want a double double, and they give you a regular coffee with two sugars. And, and a regular is, is uh, when you ask for a regular coffee, it's just uh, one cream and one sugar. So now you know. Now, now you're, you're, you've learned everything you need to know to order Tim Hortons coffee. Except don't drink the coffee. That's my my advice to you. There's a second the one dark. in Fremont, California, which is not too far from here. What is this one? Let's see. Well, Mark looks that up. I'm, you know, a a lot of times on this show, we talk about, you know, using synthesis as an advantage and and having uh, corresponding sort of things that you can attach yourself to. Like we've talked about, hey, if Apple's services stuff is going up, you probably should figure out a way that which your app can become a services thing, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I'm really shocked that as far as I know, Burger King does not sell Tim Hortons branded coffee, which you would think they would just immediately switch over and it would be their equivalent. Because it seems like it would be a very logical thing. Burger King needs to have coffee. Just like McDonald's has its like McCafe sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Why not have Tim Hortons there? It's like the same company now. Oh, oh, Tim Hortons owns Burger King. They also own Wendy's too, which is another another hamburger joint up here. You have Wendy's in the states, right? Sure. Indeed, yeah. they had a Super Bowl commercial too. Did they? Hmm. So you guys probably didn't see. Oh, that so that's you, that you mentioned. R- the commercials come of, out different over there. It reminds me of a very important question I have to ask Mark. Yeah. What happened to your New England Patriots? <sighs> 
Yeah, good question. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the Eagles are a good team. They played a great game. So, yeah, yeah. you know, Patriots just didn't play well enough. The defense showed a lot of the issues that they've had all season long. You know, they can't stop on third down. Mm-hmm. I mean, the offense was great. Tom Brady had a record-breaking day on offense, but defense yeah. just couldn't, couldn't hold them enough. Yeah, this, yeah, they both did. Apparently, it was like the most yeah. points or most yards run or whatever. And yep, and I'm not of sure any it was game, punt in the game. second half. I look back at the entire game. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> no punting. It was an offensive, uh, you know, showcase yeah. for that game. Yeah, the Patriots had plenty of chances to stop the Eagles on, you know, on, on third down and and prevent a couple mm-hmm. touchdowns. And had they done that, they would have won the game. But they didn't. Hmm. Oh, well. <laughs> Next year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. You had to bring that up, Tim. <laughs> I did, I did, yeah. <laughs> um, How are those Maple right, well, Leafs it, doing? Those Toronto Maple Leafs, Tim? <laughs> oh, yeah, I don't know. I have no clue. I don't really care. Yeah. Um, so, hey, hi, maybe people want to find you on the interwebs where they look. I'm on Twitter as at Dev with a hair. And Mark, if you want to get in touch with you. Mark R at Smapsoft.com. Alrighty, and I'm Tim Mitra, T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A on the Twitcher machine, and that's the best way to get a hold of me. So we'll see you guys next week. Bye. 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 This has been another wonderful episode of the More Than Just Code podcast. If you want to find out more about the show, you can visit the More Than Just Code website at mtjc.fm. There you can find a summary and show notes for each episode. We list links to the items we talk about on the show as well as links to the apps on the App Store. If you like the podcast, please leave a comment on the website. And if you can, please write a review on iTunes. If you're listening on Overcast, go ahead and press the recommend button. All of these things help others find out about the show, and we really appreciate your help in spreading the word. We are also on Twitter and Facebook. Once again, the podcast's Twitter account is at MTJC underscore podcast. You can also support the show by pledging any amount you want on patreon.com slash mtjc. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time. Was this about me having a stand-in when I'm not there or something like that? Huh? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, Greg, Greg and Jaime started this rumor that you're not actually who you say you are. Like you're a, you're a, like maybe you're an AI that I that somehow I created or somebody created. No, and, it, it, but I, it, I, I started that about you and Jaime a long time ago. Oh, that's true. Well, I think I think they're turning the table on you. Uh, Greg okay. mentioned last time on the show that that when he goes to San Francisco, he meets this guy who purports to be Mark Rubin. Right. Right. And you know. It could have been somebody that I hired to to play you in San Francisco or San Jose. Or how would you know? So, how yeah, would I even know? I don't that know, was the premise. I don't, I don't recall exactly how we got there. It was something related to like uh, <laughs> Greg has met all the hosts or something. Like yeah. collect them all. And well, I'm the only one that's actually met all the hosts. I think right because Mark's never met Tammy. Right. Right. Uh, and, I think Greg also. Right. Like who is who has Greg not met? Yeah. Greg, so Greg and I are the only ones that have met all the, met mm-hmm. all the hosts at, at one time. Right. Well. In, Except for the three of us who are talking right now, we've actually been in the same room together many times, right? Yeah, that's where I say, like, I've met somebody who claims to be Mark. Yeah, well, me too, right? I have never seen Greg and Tim in the same...
room at the same time. No. Oh, yes, I have. No, I've never I seen Greg. I, I I've too. never seen Greg and Jaime in the same room at the same time. So you really? Tim's seen, you seen like, me and Greg. So, so you think? Well, so you think Jaime is a guy? Is is Jaime is Greg in a? Well, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it may be the same person. We don't know. Never seen the same room at the same time. I'm not even sure Tammy exists. She might just be Tammy. You might just yeah, be. Yeah, could good, be my, uh, my voice sped up or something. Yeah. yeah, it could be my voice sped up through some sort of uh, pitch pitch converter. It's true. Right? It's true. Yeah. Mark, how, how did you even find out? Was it from listening to the show, or did we end up tweeting about it or something? Well, because Greg said something about it, and just randomly on Slack, yeah. and then and I didn't know that anyone said anything about it in the show, but then you followed up on that, Jaime. So I put two. Oh yeah, oh, that's right. That's right. Everything is so interleaved now. It's hard for me to yeah. to separate out like yeah. what did or didn't make it onto the show. What's on Slack? What's on Twitter? I don't. I don't think we ever put this discussion into the show until just now. But no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Remember, I was saying when you guys went to uh, uh, what was 360i Dev, I was I was joking about how uh, something. Well, I forget. Go listen to the old shows; you'll you'll hear it. But I, yeah. Was Greg at 360i Dev this year? No, it's just you, uh-huh. you two guys and Tammy. No, you've met Tammy. No. I, I have never met Tammy in person. Remember, I didn't go to 360. Oh, that's right. You yeah. skipped out on it. Yeah, right. Well, I didn't right. skip out yeah, on it. But <laughs> he had another acting. Able to attend was, is probably yeah. the more accurate way. Of I was unable to attend. He had yeah, an, yeah. Uh, he had another acting gig. Yeah, that's right. Forgot. No, no. No, no. <laughs> no now it's, it's even more kind of convoluted because we've had um, Jonathan on uh, on Roundabout recently, right? Mm-hmm. And Greg showed up for like the tail end because he was going to be on MTJC, and then like the last five minutes of Spockcast, he also showed up. Yeah, for so they got a chance to to talk to each other, not in person, but oh, you know, live. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Speaking of three sixty i dev, are you guys going this year? I have a ticket. Yeah, uh, I haven't really planned my conference sort of set up for the year. The only thing I'm going to for sure is the one I'm speaking at in a couple weeks. Mm-hmm. Which one is that? That's the the lead developer in uh, Austin. Oh, yeah. We're, in that's where Greg was questioning why you were going because you're not really a lead developer anymore. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and discussing whether or not I was going to go to um, the Swift Cloud Workshop 3, which I'm not because it's unfortunately bad timing with... Are you really a Swift work. Cloud developer? Uh, in my spare time. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> I'm going even though I'm not. But I might buy one of these uh, cheap Mac Pros and make it a server and become a Swift cloud developer. <laughs> Are they still selling those at Fry's? Yeah, yeah. And they're like what, fifteen hundred dollars or something for the three point seven gig version. Is that like a like is that a current version or no, an older? No, it's it's still the two thousand thirteen model. But Re- oh, so this is the state of the art one. It's clearance, you know, it's a clearance sale. Yeah, and uh, which means they're trying to get rid of them, probably yeah. because well, something's coming and there's something coming. Yeah, yeah. Well, what do you think about it as a desktop machine? I wouldn't use it probably as a desktop machine anymore, but as a server, sure. Mm-hmm. Well, we use them for build servers. We just bought yeah. we just bought two of them, ironically, and we paid way more than fifteen hundred dollars a piece for them. Yeah, how much, did you get them fully loaded with memory and everything? Yeah, I think we got thirty two gig or something and yeah. big drives in them and stuff. These, right? these just so. come with the base memory, and memory for these things is still not cheap. Just kind of sad. It's old. Yeah, and you can't upgrade the drive, right? Or can you? I think you can. Yeah, it's a separate card, maybe. Yeah, yeah. on those those machines were meant to be upgradable. I think. Yeah, but you know at, at 1500 bucks or whatever well that's 1500 us it's probably two grand for me but um that's still not a bad price for a desktop because you know i've got my my big monitor here and that kind of stuff right and i'm working on a 2013 macbook air right with a i7 yeah. processor in it yeah. right so it would be an upgrade but well i don't kind know, of you know I, when i was using one back in 2015 i had my 2013 laptop and i had that one and it was yeah. really a noticeable difference for single core stuff okay yeah, yeah and yeah. there's benchmarks out there that you can find 
the show for single core it's really not good at all yeah multi-core stuff it's amazing right. it, it, is it a xeon processor or was it intel still like a like i mean i7 or whatever it's xeon xeon okay yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Okay. so like yeah. i was saying multi-core stuff it screams so if you're doing like high performance graphics video and you need whatever, to, yeah. yeah video and, you need, and you're rendering stuff yeah. it's, it's pretty amazing but for just for if you're just using it as a desktop you're not going to see any performance mm-hmm, mm-hmm. as it's all in the main thread as we know UI, yeah ui should not go in a, other than the- well that's what i mean like like the the biggest thing i do these days is is the podcast processing right so yeah. when i bounce when i bounce the audio it, it must do some calculation because it goes through a couple of different iterations as it as it, the processor runs right so well you know audio probably is multi-threaded i mean depends on the tool multi you know yeah uh, you, use, well, you use pro tools or something like that i use logic pro logic from pro, apple which yeah. is which yeah. is, is a hunk of crap yeah. but, i yeah. can't imagine that that would not be multi-core at this day in this day and age mm-hmm. yeah so you yeah, might I see so. some advantage out of it yeah yeah like if i'm running if i'm running our like our three or four tracks together and i'm doing a lot of filtering and stuff like that like yeah. audio filtering and stuff like that it it, it gets laggy mm-hmm. um like you know it, like even when i'm doing like my first bunch of edits and i and i'll put the i'll put the speed up to like one one point five so i don't have to you know i can whip through it faster than real time mm-hmm. um it complains and it won't run and it won't play and you know so i either have to back the filters off or, or try to or run it at regular regular time time speed right so because it's obviously doing a lot of a lot of baking in the background right mm-hmm. as, it, as it goes through each each track multiple tracks at the same time yeah anywho yeah for a server though i think this thing would be great well like i said we use them for our build servers but yeah. we we run we run some sort of linux or something like that and then we run uh, mac vms on it on top of that to run xcode right mm-hmm. well you can order we, them by mail that's true i probably could well no we have this trouble getting stuff across the border oh, right? Cause, that's um, right. yeah because yeah, they, they like to charge dewey because so so we know the north american free trade agreement which you know mr trump is always going on about sounds great right but if something is made in the united states but actually manufactured in china we still have to pay du- like huge duty on in it. china in china because it's not saying. actually it's not actually uh made in the u.s right mm-hmm. like if it was actually assembled in the u.s made out of u.s parts that would then it would fall under nafta but very few things actually do fall under nafta ironically right mm. so so no road trip down to the u.s pick these things up and then bring them back and just like a high school student for the first time walking into Berkeley, these two shall be undeclared. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, but you know, it's funny. There used to be a, there used to be a gray market, we call a gray market dealer who used to go down to Buffalo and buy like in bulk. And then he would compete against all of us and sell um, his wares way cheaper than us. Right. And, uh, and then he had he was one of the first people to have an online store and all that kind of stuff. And eventually he got bought by CDW. You guys have probably heard of them, right? Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So CDW eventually bought them, or he merged with them, or or he became them. I don't know, but but he used his his thing was he used to drive down to Buffalo and fill up his car and drive back across the. I don't know how he got them into Canada. Or maybe he did pay duty on them. I don't know, but but I can tell you that if you look at the if you look at the cost of any product coming into Canada, there's always a fifty dollar bump, and that's just to bring that's I swear that's just to bring it across the border. Like you know, if you go to the re, like the retail price of something will be will be 50 bucks more mm-hmm. even at the apple store but but you know that that goes to the canadian government not, not the u.s government no no i'm not i'm not blaming you guys uh, i'm just saying that 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 yeah no some somebody's you know i always joke that we have to heat the prime minister's pool and stuff like that right. you know keep his gardener paid and things you know because that's all i don't know where the money goes because it doesn't go into my you know it doesn't go into my well maybe it goes into my my canada pension or something i don't know right, for that <laughs> health care that you ought to have yeah do you guys have you have like a you have a social security pension when you get old when you retire not 
not a pension. Sixty five. Not a pension, but there is something called Social Security that yeah, it's that we pay into uh, as part of our payroll working day tax. Yeah, uh, and yeah, when you're sixty five, roughly, you start getting a bit. It's not a not a yeah. huge amount of money, but yeah, a couple a hundred bit. bucks, right, kind of thing. Yeah, it might even be more than that. It might be like a thousand bucks a month, I think. But yeah. you know, people, we've been talking about this for years that it's probably going to run out. Yeah, I've seen that post too. Yeah, and because uh, people are living longer and retiring earlier, and, and too many baby yeah. boomers and stuff like that. Boomers, right? Yeah, not enough younger people paying into it. So, yeah. Yeah. are you are you a baby boomer? Or are you the tail end of it, or I, I think I am, right? I am like plus or minus one year into the Generation X or baby boomer, so I'm right on the border. Oh, okay, I okay. think I'm on the Generation X size. Yeah, well, we'll we'll spend all the money so that when Jaime retires, there won't be any left. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> I just assume that if it's not gone, that with the time value of money, the amount I would be getting can maybe yeah. buy me a couple of happy meals at McDonald's or something. <laughs> yeah. But you won't be able to I eat can't them. Cat food. Who are you kidding? Because health reasons. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You and Poyo will be eating out of the same can. Um, <laughs> all right, let's do <laughs> even beefier formula. Tasty. All right, this is like an exposition episode. <laughs> yeah, I don't think we talked much about uh, code at all in this one. No. Well, we talked about a little bit of. Uh, we talk, we mentioned any object at the beginning of the, sh- That's beginning true. Of the show. Yeah, yeah, true. We talked so we did, about we did, the we did talk core data and interface builder. But it's it's more than just code, Mark. There's more than just code that goes into making an app. That's true. Right. Mm-hmm. A lot of Tim Hortons coffee goes into making your apps, right? Um. Yeah. It's surprising how many yeah. of our developers go downstairs for Tim Hortons, which I'm yeah. I'm constantly shocked by. But you know, yeah. fair number go for Starbucks too. We have a, like you know, if you go down, so we have this whole network of of um, food courts and stuff like that on underneath our buildings, mm-hmm. right? And uh, so there's any number of Starbucks and places like that to go downstairs and get coffees and what have you. But like, yeah, at least I mean, you know, when when I was younger, we used to drink. I used to drink like you know several cups of coffee a day. And now I'm down to like yeah. one. But but I, I guess it's pretty prevalent all over, all over North America, right? With people drinking coffee, especially out in Seattle, I guess too, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, it. You know, it's the sort of thing that I mean, it you know clearly is like a Western thing. You know, English mm-hmm. based sort of societies. I assume the the other colonies probably or former colonies probably do yeah, the same because tea it, drinkers. Yeah, it really it sort of powered industry during the Industrial Revolution, didn't it? Like this was the whole sort of thing about the coffee shop and mm-hmm. um, you know, it's it's my drug of choice, which means, but it's also like a performance enhancing drug for me. So uh, I try to use it very sparingly. So like mm-hmm. one a, one cup of coffee a day at most. Yeah, because you know when I wake up and I'm struggling because I like didn't sleep well or something like I need that caffeine to work. <laughs> right? I don't. I, I can't be like some folks are like I need to have like seven cups of coffee before the morning even starts. I'm like no, oh, no, yeah. no, like that's that, that's that's too much. That'll wreck me physically. Like I will get jittery and I'll eat and feel like I haven't eaten anything, sort of thing. Yep. Yeah. All right. Like I said, I used to be like several cups of coffee a day, but yeah, I'm down to one, one or yeah, one every day. And some days I go without too. I drink my one yes. coffee at home with breakfast, and then these days at the office we we have one of these machines that makes uh, cappuccino oh, yeah, as well yeah. as regular coffee. So I use one of. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So when you say, is it like a professional barista style, or is it more like a Nespresso? Uh, it's neither. It's 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 sort of um, it's not. We did have a Nespresso, but we actually got rid of the Nespresso to get this thing. It's an automated thing. It's mm. it's you know it's not not a vending machine type thing, but but it's but it can make you know it can make regular coffee or. It can make hot chocolate or it can make cappuccino or various various things with various mm, okay i think i know what kind of machine you're talking about yeah. yeah it's it's not a it's not a great cappuccino you know it's not you know you're gonna get a much better one if you go actually go out to a place like a starbucks uh but uh but it's in our kitchen so you can't beat the convenience convenient yep yeah we have a keurig too yeah i had a tim horton's keurig pod the other day that, <laughs> that showed up in my my multi-pack 
what I have. Oh, yeah. Oh, really? Cool. Oh, bro, yeah. I, I bought a box of them a while back. I showed you guys. And they were fairly average. <laughs> yeah, yeah, great. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I mean, I drank Tim Hortons for years because it was like pretty much before the Starbucks sort of came by. But yeah, yeah I was there for mostly for the donuts, you know, like. Uh, Timbits are good. The, the ones you brought me to uh, NSF yeah. were pretty good. Yeah, hmm. yeah, those, those are pretty good. Do they have Dunkin' Donuts in Toronto? Uh, they may, mm-hmm. they may. I, I know I've seen, I know I've seen the signs before, but it could have been while well, I was traveling the States too, though. Yeah, so. oh yeah, Dunkin' Donuts is huge in the Northeast. Mm-hmm. There's one or two out here, but not too many. But um, yeah, in Massachusetts, it's it is the thing, and it people love the coffee. It's you know, it's kind of it's kind of like McDonald's coffee, who people say is really really good coffee, actually. Um, but mm-hmm. it's but it's a very light roast in both cases. So if you like that style, if you if you like your coffee to be kind of you know watery, then I guess it's good. I I definitely prefer the dark roast. That really you know, so you can almost can almost cut your coffee with a knife, you know, that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. So, so Mark, you're talking about the kind of coffee that McDonald's has now with the, like the McCafe kind of branding they've done. Do they have a different kind now? Yeah, I, I, I actually haven't had McDonald's coffee in many years, but they have McCafe now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah so they've they've sort of uh, met Starbucks in the middle, mm. right? Because they started with like what I think of as McDonald's coffee because it's ingrained in my mind is my grandfather every day would go just to get a cup of coffee at McDonald's and it was you know in a styrofoam cup because it was in the case. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and it, it looked like it was brown water. Like it does not look like coffee as I think of it today. Mm-hmm. You, you might go get it, uh, but he loved, a Starbucks he or loved that coffee. I mean, that's kind of what I wondered. Like, is it is it more like that style that you're you're thinking of, or for like Dunkin' Donuts, or is it more of like what McDonald's does now, which looks a little bit more premium with how they're they're handling it? Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know, but I know that people have been saying that Dunkin' that McDonald's coffee is actually really good for years and years. So I'm not sure whether they're talking about the one or the old one. I don't know. Yeah, I think they did improve the, the, the recipe or whatever they make them with, but. Uh, as well, we also have um, our Tim Hortons now has dark roast as well, which which is I find much more preferable than than their regular coffee. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. yeah, I, th- I think the, I think part of the problem with with Tim Hortons, I mean, so I used to work in a restaurant, and I know that if you don't clean the um, the spigot where the where the water comes out and, and splashes into the into the, the uh, ground coffee, um, you get oil and things like that that build up, and over time it makes coffee more bitter. So um, I think so much coffee goes through a Tim Hortons restaurant in a day that, you know, and, and, you know, knowing the proclivity of, of you know, um, staff, they, they may not get around to cleaning those things quite as often as they should. So there's, there's sort of a lowest common denominator of coffee that flavor that, like Jaime says, it's pretty pretty above, pretty not far above dishwater, you know, sort of mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, quality. But the, the dark roast definitely is much better, you know. So, and, it's, and it's, you know, it's still off half the price of what you'd pay at uh, Starbucks. I think for around $2.10, you can get um, a coffee and a donut kind of thing, right? Which is the sort of standard fare, right? But then they also, they've also diversified in terms of they have muffins and bagels, and now they have sandwiches as well. So, And there's always a lineup at the Tim Hortons, so they must be doing something right. Even even criminals show up in the Tim Hortons, <laughs> yeah, through, as true. we talked about. <laughs> People who are on the lam, on the run. Yeah, let's stop by Tim Hortons and grab a coffee. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah it, I mean, the like 1980s cup of coffee that my grandfather was having at McDonald's was like, 39 cents i kind of remember as a number so i'm going to assume it was true because it kind of makes sense for the time period um on the comparison you know typical trip to starbucks is probably going to give you like four dollars and i think mcdonald's has realized well how about we meet them at around two dollars where we can something sell something that's a little bit more premium closer to mcdonald's
Reynolds one, but gives us a um, a nice profit margin above the whatever it was it was costing them to do thirty nine cents. Uh, I think that's what the strategy we're talking is. about coffee. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I used to always joke that we could you know when we'd get tired of iOS development, we could always just open a coffee shop and just you know have a couple of flavors of donuts and some teas and stuff. You know, we can open a, a full blown Tim Tim Hortons in the U.S. That's true. Yeah, I'm sure we can get a franchise down there. Yeah, uh-huh. but how would we get the donuts made? Because they they make the donuts in Oakville and ship them out frozen, and then they're baked in the stores. Well, we get an oven and they ship them. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.